Welcome to AML Conversations, the Solution Series. This podcast series focuses on practical information about solutions to challenges you face in your financial crime compliance program. These solutions include managed services, technology, advisory, and third-party risk management. You can access this series and other AML Conversations and This Week in AML podcasts at our website, amlrightsource.com, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to AML Conversations, the Solutions Series. My name is Rachel Detmer, and I'm the Brand Content Manager for AML Rightsource. In this episode, we're going to continue our discussion on implementation support, and I'm joined by our VPs of Financial Crime Advisory, Jonathan McIsaac and Joshua Gubitz, to do just that. Hi, guys. Hey, Rachel. Thanks so much for having us back. Hi, Rachel. Glad to be back. In our previous episode, we discussed the value of having an implementation support partner in addition to what the system vendor provides. In this episode, we will discuss why it's essential to choose a partner with experience and the benefits of this cumulative knowledge. I can think of a couple of hands, such as avoiding customer mistakes and having access to world-class expertise, but you two are in a much better position to answer this question. So what are the benefits of an experienced implementation support partner? I'll I'll start us off and then I'll hand it over to John. So I think from a compliance perspective, there are usually three main goals that accompany a system implementation. And I'd like to talk about each of those three in turn. Um, And those three, at least in my mind, are first and foremost, obviously, is managing your risk. And we'll talk about what that means and, and how we help with that. Second is documentation. And the third, which I think is often overlooked, relates more to the regulators and having a good story to tell the regulators. So let's dive into each one of those three in turn. So the first one I said is really managing your risk. And, you know, one of the things that our experience helps us help customers with is to make sure that the systems they choose and the scenarios they choose within those systems adequately addresses the risks that that specific customer needs to address. And, you know, no two financial institutions are exactly the same in terms of the risks that they have, the products they have, their location, and the specific risk profile of their products and their customers. So that needs to be taken into account. What also needs to be taken into account is the size of organization, the type of organization, what size IT staff they have, how much support and feeding and care they can give to the system. So all of these things need to be considered. And I guess just the breadth and depth of experience that a company like AML RightSource brings to the table really helps with that. And, And let me talk about some examples. There are an awful lot of different transaction monitoring systems and sanction screening systems and CDD systems out there. And part of what differentiates whether or not a system might be well-suited to a specific organization is the complexity of the system and the complexity of the organization. So for example, system ABC, and I won't name any names, might be a fabulous system. It might be a world-class system, but it requires a huge amount of IT support. Well, if you're a very small shop with a very small or non-existent IT support staff, even though that system is great, it's probably not the right right system for you because you simply won't have the IT support staff to feed and care for that system and maintain it the way it needs to be maintained. 
So thinking through things like this and helping our clients think through things like this is an enormous part of the value that we bring to the table based on all of the experience we have. Because if you're implementing a system for the first time, you might just say, hey, we have to go with the best system out there and that's what we need and not think of all these other factors that you also should take into consideration. And the second piece of managing the risk is really being incredibly systematic about going through your products one by one, going through standard risk typologies, and making sure that you address them all as they relate to your products and your risks. So you really have to think through the detailed specifics of your products and your risks and make that line up with the system you're planning to implement and the scenarios you're planning to implement. And last but not least on the managing your risk side is the idea that you want to make sure that you're leading the effort in terms of what makes sense from the big picture. And let me explain what I mean there. I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of letting the system kind of lead you by the nose. And what I mean by that is, People start implementing a system, there are all these IT and tech requirements, they get immediately deep, deep, deep into the weeds. And the problem with that is they don't necessarily then pull back and look at the really big picture at 80,000 feet and say, hey, you know, what, what are we actually trying to achieve here? What are the main risks we're trying to address? What are the main gaps we're trying to fill? Let's think about that from a very high level and then start working our way slowly down, slowly down to the system level, to the scenario level, to the tuning and threshold level. And what happens instead is people tend to dive into the very detailed work and not realize that the detailed work has to come kind of as the last part, not as the first part. And first you need to do all that big picture conceptual stuff, and then you start drilling down. So with that said, before I kind of dive into some of the other pieces around documentation and good stories, let me pass it over to John for a few minutes, and then I'll, I'll pick up the thread later on. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Josh. And, and you know, completely agree with, with a lot of the, you know, system agnostic and system specific issues and limitations that we see, you know, across many of the solutions that are out there. Um, you know, I, I think I'd also add that that really having an implementation support partner also that already has that established and good working relationship with the with the software provider and really you know knowing how that software pr provider manages and executes the implementation from their perspective really helps you know with the overall planning and project management um, you know from from your implementation support partner. And, you know, building that working relationship and knowledge typically comes over time. And, you know, after working on a, on a number of these engagements together, something else that kind of goes hand in hand with with performing a lot of these implementations that we have conducted is, is really a combination you know, of the right subject matter expertise for all things like technical, like data mapping and testing, but also you know, having that subject matter expertise from an end user perspective. So meaning like a former practitioner that has actually used a system, um, you know, in a working production environment and really combining that technical and end user expertise with the working relationships that we have with the vendors really has played a, a really big part in, in the success we have had in, in helping our clients with the implementation support. 
All right. So the next piece that I mentioned was the documentation. And again, this is where sort of experience and having done this many, many, many times can be really helpful to our clients. There is a generally accepted suite of documentation that really needs to accompany systems and needs to accompany these kinds of programs. Um, and it's very important to realize that from a regulator's perspective, if it isn't documented, it didn't happen and it doesn't exist. So from the perspective of a regulator, it's all about the documentation because after all, that's what regulators look at. Regulators can't come in and see what you did or understand what you did unless there's a document that tells them what you did. So understanding the importance of documenting the whole process of a systems implementation is sometimes an afterthought for people, and it really needs to not be an afterthought. And this, again, is one of those places where experience teaches you an awful lot. So when we come in, when AML RightSource helps a client with an implementation, we understand from the outset that there needs to be the appropriate risk assessments and coverage assessments and policies and procedures and desk manuals and issues management logs and all the various pieces of documentation that are going to explain to the regulator, hey, here's exactly what we did, here's what we decided, here's what happened along the way, here's the documentation that explains not only what we did, but what we expect our adjudicators and our staff to do once the system's ready and up and running. So making sure that all these supporting pieces and all of the documents that are required to make a system understandable to a regulator, I can't overstate the importance of that. It's like I said, if, from a regulatory perspective, if there's not a document to explain it, it's as if it didn't happen. So not only do we understand this and can help guide our clients, but for every one of those document types I just named, whether it's a risk assessment or a desk manual or whatever it might be, we've written hundreds of them. And so we have templates that are ready to go. We can sort of help you plug in your information into the template so it's not like you're inventing something from scratch. And we can say to you, hey, listen, here are the 12 different documents you really should have in place if you're going to implement a new system. So that too, it just helps plug a lot of gaps and helps make sure that the whole package is compliant, not just the system itself, but all the things that surrounds the system. John, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, and, and thanks, Josh, and all all great points. Um, you, you know, and, and really, you know, I, I'll just add that there's a lot of new technology available on the market, and it can really make things difficult for decision makers, stakeholders, you know, at, at financial institutions you know, to to select the right solution. Um, you know, ultimately, the main ob objective is really to have a system that's effective, efficient you know, meets the business uh, requirements of, of the institution and also the regulatory requ uh, requirements of the institution. You know, there, there are certainly solutions that function the same, but it's important to note, you know, no two solutions are, are really alike. Um, and asking the right right questions up front will only help you find the right solution that, that fits your institution. For, you know, for example, if, if your current system has a limitation and you can't monitor for certain types of activity, you know, it should be, it should be documented. You should have that outlined in your business requ requirements documentation. And you should ask, ask the software vendor, you know, how would they be able to monitor for those activity types? And not just ask them, but really have them show you during a, a demo of the solution, you know, of how they could mitigate any of those uh, identified issues that you have. 
you know, you'd, you'd be surprised as to how many institutions we worked with that that don't even have a business requirement stock. Um, and there's certainly a lot of considerations that should be asked during the selection process and, and really spending the time up front to develop a well thought out BRD, you know, not not only incorporates your that incorporates the current state of your program, but it should consider, you know, the future state of your program and, and really where you think it, it, it will be in a couple of years out. Um, that way you can grow into the system and, and really, you know, make sure that it does meet, you know, those business requirements and, and those regulatory uh, requirements that you have. So ultimately, it's the financial organization's duty to ensure the system is safe, sound and functioning correctly in line with regulations, correct? Which I suppose only further validates the need for implementation support. Absolutely so. And you know, building on what you just said, Rachel, and on what John was just saying, no system is perfect, right? And no system's ever going to do everything that you need it to for every different client in all circumstances. Such a system has yet to be invented. But like John was saying, that's okay as long as you acknowledge the limitations and document them. And to me, that kind of relates to the third and final point, which I brought up at the top, which is having a good story to tell the regulators. And I think this is a point that is really often overlooked. Regulators understand that no system's perfect, no institution's perfect. But if you can explain to them in a convincing and clear way why you did what you did, why you made the choices you made, and why those make sense and are defensible, 99% of the time, regulators will be okay with that because they understand that no system's perfect, right? So if you can say, hey, you know what? The system we have, it just couldn't accommodate this particular thing. And so here's the manual control we put in place, or here's the mitigating control that sort of makes that risk an acceptable one for our institution. As long as you have a good, clear story to tell, as long as you're not sort of stumbling when they ask why this isn't addressed by your system and, and can give them a clear answer, it goes most of the way towards solving the problem. Jonathan, do you want to add anything else? Yeah, being transparent, and again, it goes back to what Josh mentioned about documentation, you know, and, and really just documenting each step along the process, you know, and, and being very transparent. If there are issues, you know, document those issues, put a remediation or action plan together, you know, and just just present that in front of the, the regulators. I mean, they'll, they'll be okay with that as long as you have a plan in place, you've identified an issue. And, and again, it's Transparency and documentation, I, I think, is, is really important you know, to ultimately have that successful implementation and really get sign off from from your either model risk management team, your regulators, internal, you know, internal, external audit. Um, it's just, you know, certainly important to, to really just make sure you have everything, um, you know, put into methodology, you know, your methodology sound of how you perform the implementation and really just... Um, you know, have, have the right folks involved in the project overall. Well, thank you both for joining me again and sharing your knowledge. To our listeners, I hope that you found this valuable. Join us next time for our final episode on implementation support, where we discuss what to pay attention to and what to avoid. Thanks for listening to this episode of AML Conversations, the Solution Series. More episodes will be posted in the coming months. If you find this installment interesting, there is more great content at amlrightsource.com. If we can help you with your financial crime compliance needs, schedule a meeting on our website. Together, we can reimagine compliance.